Welcome to Slashers and Spirits, a horror movie podcast. That's slashers as in violent horror movies and spirits as in booze and or spooky ghost people. In this show, Kim and I, longtime horror fans, show horror movies to AJ, who is new to the genre. And we also drink a whole bunch in the process on a weeknight, just Wednesday night chugging. <laughs> and it, it leads us to this right here, which is going to be a mess for sure. But I'm Aaron. I'm AJ. I'm Kim. This week, we watched Suspiria, the 2018 remake. Um, Last week, we watched From Dust Till Dawn. How was that sitting with everyone? Um, Fine. It was Lovely. good. It was wild. I remember it detailedly, but I wasn't oh, like scared by it or anything. I was thinking about Quentin Tarantino a lot like the past couple of days what were you Not thinking anywhere, about but... yeah what specifically yeah. just what a strange man he is you know uh-huh like how he wrote that role for himself it just really stuck with me when he, the foot goes into his mouth he was like he wrote that for himself you know i can't i don't think you can kink shame him anymore since we learned this movie that you're into pee Oh my god, I'm not into pee. <laughs> I didn't oh, know. You were really interested. Hole. We're gonna have to go down this pee. Yeah, I think hole you need point. to explain to the audience what your it was some, fascination it was. Some was. Po- we gotta, we gotta get there first. I'm not just gonna start talking about piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this is gonna be a mess. Okay. <laughs> Um, so we watched Suspiria 2018 this week. This one was one of Kim's recommendations, and it was Kim's week to choose. Yep. So do you want to talk about why you chose it, Kim? Um, I just like it. <laughs> well, I've seen the original. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the original, the 1977 version, which is also pretty good. But I thought, I mean, for the sake of, like, showing it to AJ, I thought this one was a bit more digestible than the first one. But unfortunately, longer. So that's kind of the downside of that. It's a pretty long movie. But I liked a lot of the elements of it. I know I know people say this is a pretentious movie and I don't give a <laughs> fuck because that's my taste and that's why I like this movie. Because you're pretentious? Because it's it's pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. And I mean, yeah, there's good and bad about it, but I really like the gore. I really like the like effects they have in this one. I have like a few favorite scenes that make all the downsides of this movie, in my opinion, like chef's kiss, beautiful. Um, and I like the acting. I think they have really good actors. The plot's kind of iffy, but I think it's a pretty good movie to sit down to and just watch. I think it's pretty digestible, in my opinion. So I was like, this why not? Is, this is the first time we watched a movie that I hadn't seen as well. Yeah. Usually it's Kim and I guiding AJ through a new movie, but I had not seen this one at all. I had seen the original probably about a year ago now for the first time, and I felt really bad because I didn't remember like a lot of it. Um, a lot of it was hazy. I remember it being very artsy, very colorful, uh, really pretty movie, but I couldn't remember anything about the specifics other than it had to do with a dance group. You know, uh, that what, what was it? Was it ballet? I, it I don't was know ballet. How to, it was yeah, ballet. technically, it was it's ballet. like a mixed, yeah, ballet mixture of ballet and interpretive dance. I want to say. Well, like she interprets at some point, but like it would be contemporary or ballet would be the what I would say it is. But but that's all I remembered from the original. But then in like the little bit of research I did after we finished this movie, I found that people widely described the first movie as basically devoid of plot, which made me feel a lot better because I remember it being really engrossing, but I couldn't quite tell you what it was about. And I knew there was a lot to interpret. And this movie definitely followed that that pattern. Uh, it's I feel like I understood 60% of this movie, but enjoyed 
a hundred percent of it. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, yeah. a great way to describe it. Uh, and I'm sure it would also um, really become better after multiple viewings. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I I guess this came out before Midsummer, but I, I feel like I have to compare it to Midsummer in a lot of ways, especially with you know us having watched it on the podcast. It makes it an easier comparison than other movies. But there's a lot of similar themes in both of these movies, and they're they're certainly in the, of the same subgenre of horror. And uh, it, it has it shares a lot of that, and I think it does share a little bit of pretentiousness because I yeah. think Mid- Midsummer has a little bit of that but i feel like this movie takes it a step farther i'm just gonna say kim's a little pretentious oh shit shots fired (laughs) do you have a response to that kim i was gonna say i was like kim you gonna take that no you gonna hold her hand (laughs) she still wants to hold my hand i can give her shit she'll still get hold my hand um but overall i i have a very positive view of this movie Uh, there's also a plot thread throughout the entire movie that i had caught on to on like the first scene and had battled with the entire movie but we'll go into that (laughs) aj um, (laughs) AJ, um what did you think let's get your your overall review like someone comes up to you and is like AJ, have you seen Suspiria? What'd you think of it? I really liked it, but I'm like confused by why I liked it. Like, I don't fully get it. I think that some of it still, there were parts of it that I, I said out loud and I was like, okay, this is what's happening. And then we would all kind of be like, okay, yes, that's actually happening. Cause you couldn't fully tell, but I thought it was really good. I was really involved in it and I didn't expect like an hour in, I was like, this is kind of boring and like, it's good, but I'm like, how is this going to be an hour and a half and then the last hour and a half just like blew by and went so fast and that was really exciting it it really was engrossing because having not no not knowing where it was going it really it really grabbed me even from like early on but yeah it, I'd, I'd say i'm not sure where the fat is in this movie but some fat could be trimmed 100 percent. i'll say that for sure it does not need to be as long as it is but i i i, I wouldn't cut a half hour from it you know uh yeah I'd cut, you know, ten, fifteen, but I, I don't. Think but it's I don't got even know where. Much. That's no. the thing is, I I also can't say where. I, I I can also say I thought this movie ended twice. Yeah, yes. that's fair. Uh, like for sure. Uh, and I liked where all of it went, but I think some of it could have been alternate ending in the Blu-ray, and it wouldn't have necessarily suffered from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have taken more notes on this movie than any other we've watched <laughs> and i know that's gonna be because I, this is the one i haven't seen but i got some i got notes and notes and notes and notes <laughs> on this one because there was a lot to think about and a lot of them were answered within like 10 minutes of me writing them mm-hmm. but i consider that good writing you know because it, it brings up questions and then answers them in satisfying ways and then but there's also a lot of questions in this movie that are not answered in satisfying ways before but, uh, we get into all of that can we talk about what we're drinking yes 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 um you start, AJ, because I think you're the star of the show tonight. <laughs> I'm drinking a 2019 California Cupcake Vineyard Butter Kiss Chardonnay. I drank the whole bottle of wine. I opened it. I drank all of it. I feel like I drank a bottle of wine. And um, I already feel really guilty for calling Kim pretentious because I was joking. And now I feel guilty. So that's how it's going. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Butter cupcake fingers, buttercup chardonnay. Was that it? Butter kiss. It's worse. It's worse than buttercup. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, I don't know. It was at Vaughn's. It was 
um, which is a little bit pricey, honestly, for me to buy for wine. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's a little, it was a little bit more towards 10 I think. But... Nothing named Butterfist should be worth more than $6. <laughs> 100%. It was pretty good, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, oh, okay. I normally only drink Chardonnay at, like, my parents' house, and they buy nice wine, and I normally only drink the nice wine. But I liked this shit. It was pretty good. I drank a whole bottle of it. I was fully here for it. I'm I'm proud. That's all I <laughs> committing to the bit. Unlike I'm not some of the other some of the other. Yeah, excuse me, Kim. What are the two glasses of alcohol that you drink? Um, I just had a Stella Rosa Black. Okay, it's that's strong, not even alcohol. It's a wine. It's so, not yes. a wine. It's a juice. I've it's had wine. it. It's a juice. It's sparkling and yeah. black. It is not yes. a real wine. It's a red, and it's delicious. I'm going to I'm going to call in our drunk driver or not drunk driver our designated driver the opposite of that <laughs> drunk Molly. driver <laughs> Molly to break up this fight are you guys going to fight the whole this whole time this Yeah I now? think that my bottle of wine means that I'm going to fight Kim <laughs> I'm just, just living over Kim's, here I'm not Kim's silence <laughs> Oh my god, AJ just keeps just keeps wanting to know if Kim's actually mad and there's just silence. She just won't tell me. <laughs> Holy shit. So 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 what did what did you drink again? You drank you had a, you had two Capri Suns, Kim? Is this she had two Capri Suns, hundred percent. No, it was two glasses of wine. Just, you know, no. something to Stella Rosa is not wine. It's definitely wine because they carded me, so it's definitely wine. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, she got carded. Whoa. They yeah. didn't card me for my wine, and I kind of found it offensive. I was like, okay, I'm only 24. You really should ask me for my ID. I didn't get carded on my on my 21st birthday at really? first. Wow. Yeah, I feel like most people have that story. That's like you're, you turn 21, you order a beer, and you're waiting to show them that card, and they're like, I think go. I got kicked out of a bar like nine minutes before I turned 21 because Yikes. I wasn't they, 21 yet. Did they let you in at nine, nine minutes past? Yeah, like... they made me go outside and wait until it was midnight and then I was allowed to come back in. My sisters were like all excited and they're like, she's going to turn 21 in like 10 minutes. And they were like, ooh, get out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I'm drinking. Oh, I haven't even read it. Oscar Blues. <laughs> Oscar Blues. Thick Haze IPA. Thick Haze. Yeah, because that's the way I feel after I drink it. My my brain's in a thick haze. And I can't fucking think straight. <laughs> that with this movie was probably the worst decision. Oh, this movie was a roller. I could, you know, be absolutely sober and like this movie yeah. still would have been a roller coaster and a half. Holy shit. I decided at some point that this movie was made for a glass of wine. I feel like it's really important to drink while you watch this movie. There's a fair amount of drinking in it, I guess, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. They get everyone drunk and then they murder in front of them. So, all right. So let's let's go into the beginning of this movie, right? Uh, it starts with what's her name? Chloe. Chloe. What? Chloe Grace <laughs> Moretz. I immediately thought they they kind of do the the scream Drew Barrymore, where I thought like, oh, okay, I didn't know she was the lead in this movie, and then you barely see her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, which was kind of also like she's a great actress and well known, so I was kind of surprised as to why they just gave her like a side role. Yeah, it worked though. I think. I think she. I think she was good in it, and I. I think I. I probably preferred it to her yeah, being the great lead, performance. You know? Yeah, she was a good actress in this one. Yeah. It um, took me like forty-five minutes to figure out that she and the main character were not the same woman. Dakota Johnson. <laughs> really? 
Yes, a hundred. She's a redhead. The, the redhead. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe Grace is blonde. Yeah, but I didn't. I thought that she was just wearing a wig or something that, like, because I thought that the first glimpse you get to see of the characters is like a in the future and that then you're gonna watch her story happen i i also thought there was like time skips going on but we kind of found out what what that was because it it starts with chloe's character going uh, patricia patricia going and talking to they just call him a doctor but i guess he's a therapist right yeah he's for sure like a therapist a psychotherapist and uh, she talks to him about uh i mean they kind of drop a coven reference pretty early right like Mm -hmm. they're talking about Mm -hmm. how uh, they don't really specify what it is but the place is terrible and there's terrible people there and they say witches whatnot. they say witch yeah I, I thought so they say witches straight up and then how the witches you know they own her and she can't escape and whatnot and then it cuts to who's going to be our main character but she's amish yes she's mennonite yeah so she's like i, I immediately thought that we had a two different timelines going on because within five minutes of showing her like you know village they show someone using an uh, an escalator into um, a train station so it was like i also thought there was time things going on it it took me a while to figure out that it was all going on at the same time there are flashbacks though because i feel like she has flashbacks to when she's a child a couple times there's a sequence um midway that yes i guess it's technically her childhood but it's just meant to be a sequence of unsettlingness so yeah technically it is a time skip but it's within that whole like mirage of different images there's like references to like her childhood and her mother being a bit more i guess physically abusive is the technical term um and it's really short but yeah there is there is a jump of that but there's also the the time period where they talk about where she's trying to study Berlin and then her sister's like, no, we study the U.S. And then there was that clip in the beginning where, which Aaron was just referring to, where the mom is like sick, which I assume is in the past. I think no, she was the sick mom currently sick as she left. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as she, she left her sick mother to go to Berlin. Yes. Wow. But it, I was with you on that for over half of the movie. It took yeah. me. Until they, they first referenced uh, her community that I understood that this was all going on at the same time. And um, I believe, yeah, to jump ahead just a little bit, she finally kicks the bucket during the ending. Yes. Um, but uh, it, so she leaves her community and goes and joins. Is a dance troupe the correct thing to call it? <laughs> it's no, it's a, a ballet company. company. Ballet company, company, yes. Um, she, she joins a company who's, who's obviously very prestigious, or I would assume so anyway yeah and she it's like a career making opportunity for her to have gotten this but she's very clearly replacing the girl who was freaking out in the beginning patricia to the therapist the therapist who i was immediate like something about this guy don't look right (laughs) i i think i i know i felt terrible because at first i thought i was making a joke yeah and then and then I thought, oh, I'm just stupid and I'm, I'm, I'm just seeing shit or whatever. And then midway through the movie, I thought I understood the, uh, I thought I knew who the actress was that plays uh, her close friend in the movie, um, Sarah. I thought I recognized Sarah's actress and I was like, hey, I want to check the IMDb, Kim, but can I check the IMDb? And she's like, okay, don't, don't bring it up or whatever. And I was like, oh shit, that is a guy, that's someone in a mask. Like, yeah. that's not a, that's not a, and I felt terrible after that. And then that's what I text, I text Kim midway through this movie. I was accidentally an asshole <laughs> <laughs> i mean you were right it, it definitely is tilda swinton plays three characters in this movie and that's oh, one of wow. them Who i thought the other it was one? actually crazy well done i i think it's super well done i it's agree just, 
Um, I also did not think it was a person in mask the whole time, so I also think it's well done. I went back and forth on it, and then by the time um, there's a, there's a point later where he's buck ass naked, and I'm like, well, you yes. can't really hide much there. This is this is a dude, you know, like this yeah. is a real guy. It ha- it had to be. I just I like that effect a lot, and I I I can reckon I feel like I recognize that that effect more than than most would, you know. I, I there's a band I love that a guy wears a mask that's supposed to look like a real person and just gave me such familiar vibes from watching like hours of this dude wear a skin tight mask that makes him look like another human being that I was like something's off about this but I felt terrible once I realized I was right because at first I was just you know kind of drunk and being stupid (laughs) (laughs) but you were right I was surprised you caught it too I I didn't notice it till like mid-movie when you actually could see the doctor's face I was like oh that looks just like Tilda Swinton and then I googled it when I watched it the first time and I was like, oh my god, it was her. I, I don't think it's supposed to be foolproof. You know what I mean? I, I think they, yeah. they, they certainly intended it to, to catch on. And it does add to it, it adds to the kind of gross feeling of the movie too, where it's like it's like uncanny valleys triggered too, and it only helps, you know. So the movie was directed by Luca Guadagnino, which I'm hoping I pronounced that properly. He is, I believe, Italian. I'm not 100% sure. Um, As is the first movie, right? No. Uh, the first movie, yes. Um, He's also Italian. He is Italian, yes. He does Italian horror for the most part. Um, he does a subgenre. Um, the director, Guadagnino, which I'm hoping I say that correctly, um, well known for his recent movie, Call Me By Your Name, which one oh. of my personal favorites. Don't come for you me for would. that. You would. You would. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I haven't and then, seen it. It's pretty good, but I know there's people have opinions about it, but I don't care. I liked it. <laughs> um, and then cinematography was done by, again, I'm going to mispronounce the word, Seyo, oh, the name, I'm sorry, Sehombu, I think I'm pronouncing that really badly, Mukti Prom. Again, I know I butchered his name. He and Guadagnino did Call Me By Your Name together. So they've worked together in terms of how they put together movies. And in my opinion, I think they're a really great team. And both, they have really great shots and the really purposeful um, ways of showing perspective. And I think that they're a really great team in this movie, especially. The screenplay, of course, does come from Dario Argento, who was the original director of the 1977 film. So he did have some say in this particular remake. Not a lot, but he did have some input into it. So that's pretty important as well. Um, In a way, it kind of got his blessing through that, I want to say. The actresses that are pretty... The first few actresses, anyway, that we see are Dakota Johnson playing Susie. Chloe Grace Moretz playing Patricia. Tilda Swinton playing Madame Blanc. Helena Marco and Dr. Kemper. And we also have the character of Sarah, who was played by Mia Goth. And they're kind of the forefront of the characters that we kind of recognize. They're a bit more popular and they've had a bit more mainstream movies. That's a majority of the people that worked on it. I'm still so mad she- that Tilda isn't in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, no, that was not her. I'm they're so just mad. Like, like Tilda Swinton's very small and, and uh, G- Gwendolyn Christie's very large. <laughs> that, that's the thing, you know? Like, that's the difference. I can see how you can see visual similarities. It's just one is much bigger than the other. <laughs> I really didn't think, like, I really thought that they were the same person this whole time, and I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm more afraid of Tilda Swinton than I am Gwendolyn Christie. And yeah, she's one of very unsettling. Is- she looks almost I, what, inhuman sometimes. It kind of freaks what me if, out. What if my notes is anytime I see Tilda Swinton on on camera, I assume she's smarter than me. <laughs> 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 like 
she always knows exactly what's going on and i'm clueless like she's always she's always wiser and she's always gonna kick your ass you know one of my notes says my favorite game of thrones character (laughs) oh my god holy shit aj i love you so much (laughs) um one of my earliest notes for this movie is that the sound design right away is incredible and carries the movie in my mm-hmm. opinion like visually it's great too but the sound throughout this whole movie is just constantly unsettling and then i i, I even think that it's a real choice that there's music in the movie yeah. it's pretty much only played when they're not dancing yeah like when it comes time to dance there is no goddamn music and almost all of this movie's about dancing and it's a lot of like silent grunting and at first i thought that it wasn't intentionally sexual but as it continues it definitely is intentionally sexual as as well it's yeah it's kind of all over the place but sound plays a huge huge role in this movie i am Um, still confused by the underlying sexual tones of this movie because it's really sexual and i feel like there should have been more explanation to that i I feel like there's a lot of um grooming metaphors in it i mean not even metaphors just like straight up like pretty early on when she gets signed on to the troop they say we can't pay you much but you'll get to live here rent free and Mm -hmm. immediately that's like red flag you know like that's that's how dependency is created in an mm-hmm. unhealthy way and then yeah. uh right after he goes but we understand the financial independence of a woman's important or something like that and it was just very clear right away that it's hard for this uh community full of witches or not it's hard for it to be healthy mm-hmm. <laughs> like in general and i and i feel like that's a lot of the unsettlingness in the beginning before the witch stuff even happens it's the idolization and the um the idolization of Tilda Swinton's character who's like the dance instructor and the inventor of the genre of dance they use or i guess it's a show is it a show or is it a type of dance i believe it's, it's a, a show, type right? i think it was called volk i could be... i think it's a show it's like they're yeah, performing could, I, a show i think the show was volk or it could be volk dancing is what you do in volk but it was definitely one or one or the other i feel like another thing that was very like um unsettling in the beginning was the way she touched like the touch was very like like you can see the imprint on um the main character at one point but after um she touches her after Blanc touches her but i also feel like the way she went around and said good morning and like touched every single dancer and said like hello to them was like something that you don't imagine um a teacher to do or like is a little unsettling yeah because when on like her first day joining the troupe the main character from the the uh, amish family olga who's currently the lead in the show leaves because she because of the disappearance of Patricia earlier and she doesn't trust them and whatnot and then the main character steps up and decides that she can dance the lead part like trust her she can do it and yeah Tilda Swinton goes and touches her hands and feet and leaves imprints like you said and then i even have as a note like did she only dance well because of the touch like did, did tilda swinton's touch well, you mean Susie? Susie. Susie. yes but i think that the touch made the connection that led to the harm of olga because as Susie dances you also see this like mirror image of um olga getting like deeply deformed and harmed and attacked but like it's literally this like mirror thing where Susie's dancing and Olga's getting hurt and it just goes yeah. back and forth and I as she does the dance she's getting crushed by the dance or like a movement yeah. of the arm would lead her arm to break 
Yeah. And um, I feel like that touch that um, Blanc gives her is what connects the two bodies and is the reason that that happened. I was really feeling the alcohol at that point. So my note for that scene is, fuck you, Kevin Bacon. And it took me a second... (laughs) It took Why? me a second to remember what fucking Kevin Bacon meant. But what, what I mean? realized is the parents from Footloose were right. <laughs> oh my god. Dancing's dangerous. That woman would be dead. It would be alive if it wasn't for her dancing. I'm telling you. So, midway through this movie, apparently, I got pretty pissed off at Footloose. <laughs> I love that. Kim, do you have any notes about this scene? You said it was your favorite. <laughs> Um, I just like the visuals of it. I just I just like the gore of it. I thought it was... It's honestly what probably kept me to really watching the rest of the movie. Because it is really slow burn and slow build. But that scene alone I thought was so incredibly masterful. Um, I see it more as like a tethering of all the girls together. Because at the end of the day, the girls are not technically part of the coven. It's more so the older women who are the coven. And the girls, I feel like, are more so like pawns necessary to continue the coven to grow and to, I guess, feed one of the other characters that we meet later. Um, they're, they're like used long enough until they're inconvenient, in which case yeah, they exactly. turn into food, which, you know, is a pretty healthy cycle for them. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's like, it's a unification between all the girls, but it's definitely in a dangerous way. Like, for example, as Dakota Johnson's character, Susie, gets stronger a lot of the other girls tend to get injured and or hurt themselves in, in in a sort of way to like maintain balance, I would say. So this scene, I, I guess, kind of symbolically signifies the unification between Dakota Johnson's character now with the rest of the girls. And yeah, I do think um, Madame Blanc touching does kind of empower or kind of give more power, I should say, not empower. Um, but add a bit more fuel to that kind of connection. And that's why every time she dances, it de- it definitely like twists her in the most macabre, but fascinating. I was literally, I like that scene is just so fat. I can't not look at it. I can't look away from it. I'm just so fascinated by it. It's so gross, but like, I can't stop looking. There's a, there's a line earlier from Sarah's character that's like her attention or her, or her approval is like a drug or, or mm-hmm. something uh-huh. along those lines, right? It says something like it's, it's almost addictive and like you can see that it's it's more than just admiration it's also manipulation and probably a fair bit of i guess magic is that fair to say i guess no definitely like i I think the body and dance is used as like a means to perform magic or they're like witchcraft or whatever Mm. which i think is really really but loose is right they're just trying to warn us they're trying to warn us this whole time that rock and roll is the devil (laughs) shit and whatnot and then dancing (laughs) leads to magic (laughs) yeah see you were saying that exactly and then the the girls in the company are also used because they realize that uh our lead what was it uh susie susie can't jump like she's she's having trouble with her with her jumps so they bring up another uh girl in the troop to jump and then it's almost as if blanc transfers the ability to jump from that girl and gives it to susie but it causes that girl to also have some sort of seizure yes yeah and I thought it was a, initially like a sacrifice, uh, but she she does live. She lives after that. But I, I guess, do they show that she's incapable of jumping afterwards? Like, I can't remember. I don't think she no. has any more jumping roles, but I, I, I think you're right in making that kind of connection. There's this whole other subplot about this doctor who um, Patricia goes to, and it's all about which... I, when we were talking about what could be skimmed down, I was thinking maybe this whole plot could be skimmed down, 
but I also like don't think so because I think it adds to a lot of the mystery but he creates this whole subplot about like what's happening at this place and following through with like not fully Patricia's delusions as he calls it but um following like what she does and following that there's something hidden inside this um company and I think that that's like something that we talk see a lot of at this point in the movie where we're going back and forth and we're learning about his life. See, I, I think that you, you need someone to, to like solve the mystery, right? You need someone to mm. be distrustful and someone to get into there. But And I thought very early on that it would be the doctor, but they kind of give that role to the... Sarah. Uh, not roommate, but next door they give it to Sarah. So I, I don't think the doctor's role was all too important until the very last thing they do with him, where it actually kind of made me feel like it had more purpose, for sure. There's still things I'm confused about as far as his plot goes, like, for sure. But I, I agree that I, I certainly thought it was fat to be cut until the end, where I think it became a bit more relevant, if some of the things I think are true about the ending are true. But we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. So in the original, the character of the psychiatrist, that particular character, was a minor character. He didn't have really any background or any sort of like depth to his character. And this time, for some reason, they decided to give him this whole backstory, which I agree, I I think should have been taken out but i just didn't think it was fully necessary it was it was uh nice when they combined the two suspicious people like they had uh, eventually sarah who was friends with patricia before she was replaced by Susie. wow what a (laughs) what a couple of sentences right um, (laughs) she finds them performing like rituals they don't really show but they certainly shouldn't be uh she shouldn't be sneaking up on and they find she finds these hooks that they use to pick up olga after she gets crushed during the dance they pick her up with these these silver hooks and carry her off and it's disgusting but she finds one of those hooks and brings it to the doctor Mm -hmm. um and that i thought that was a nice combining of those two things it gave him an in and then there's also just I, i know it sounds weird but there's a shot i loved where he puts down the hook on the table and it just kind of rocks back and forth and like i don't know why it's stuck with me and if you look at the coffee table there it's got some interesting design that almost looks like it's like a blood splatter like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's full the movie's full of interesting little shots like that that just continue to have you asking questions you know yeah there's a lot of like really small things that like you miss i didn't even see this this is when i did like a little bit of research like the clothing a lot of the women's clothing has imagery of either women themselves hip bones um vaginas um yes, tiny a lot of flowers created movie. from like breasts like it's very very small miniature details but it was added into clothing which i think you really never really notice but to me that's like a cute little gem to keep in mind it is all female coven so i think that's important also we also talked about that like um that the main character Susie slowly loses clothing and it becomes less and less clothed as you continue to see her but the rest of the characters continue to be like fully clothed in a normal way which yeah, it wouldn't not even in like a normal way like they are all like uh sleeves to the wrist and mm-hmm. pants to the ankle like nobody is not one person's wearing shorts even to the knees you know like they could be wearing almost anything but there is it progresses she just gets more and more naked and they just either get i think they might even get more clothed from when we first see them you know yeah yeah i think that's her coming to her like true self interesting like towards especially coming from 
being Amish to being the most naked person in a room. I'm sure that's a quite a journey. And, and there's also some kind of um, sexual exploration plot that's kind of hinted at as well. Well, they're all lesbians. Yeah, I, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I never got that when I watched it. It wasn't until you guys were talking about it that I was like, huh? <laughs> I never got, like, gayness from any of this. It was your There's... repressed side. You just didn't recognize it then. But now that you're more open, you understand it. When she first dances, and she asked her, like, how it felt to do the dance, and she's like, I imagine it's what fucking feels like. Yeah, um, definitely animalistic. I, I think, and I, I think that goes into like grooming stuff too. You she know, also says, like, in response to that, that's what fucking feels like. She's like, like with a man, and then she's like, no, like an animal, which yeah. it's a whole other thing. But the fact, like the way she asked, like with a man, was very um, interesting. I feel like that's not normally yeah. what someone would ask in response to that statement. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then in the beginning, when she first dances at, for like her audition, they cut away from her whenever she dances. Like she does like a move and then there's like a hard cut and it, and it mm -hmm. moves on from there right yeah and i thought it was weird at first I, I, it made it difficult it kind of kept some tension of whether she thought she was a good dancer or not at least i thought so but um i thought it was interesting that whenever she would do any kind of movement they'd cut away from it but then later when she's dancing and she's been touched by blanc and is going to kill olga without knowing it but doing the dance it cuts at the same points in the dance but it cuts to olga almost like hinting that mm -hmm. there's something happening with that first dance as well. Like it's the same cuts, but because mm. there's no victim, there's nothing to cut to. It just moves on to something else, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. Even the way like the sighing during the dancing is also, I think, pretty mm -hmm. hinting at her true self. Yeah. Those are like little breadcrumbs of like, that's not normal. And then once you figure out her true identity at the end, once it's revealed, you're like, oh, that that makes sense. Why she breathes like that? Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of breathing in this movie. Mm -hmm. I would say breathing and There's, moaning. Yes, a lot of a lot of grunting, moaning, breathing. Yeah. a lot. Of, it's it's a very very sexual movie. Like it's pretty inarguable. Even more, so, it reminded me of Midsummer kind of in that way too, where it was mm -hmm. like, wow, there are just massive in scenes that I also feel like in Midsummer like could be construed as funny. Like the, a lot of the nudity in Midsummer, um, I've heard people laugh in theaters. You know. Mm -hmm. uh, when I saw that movie, wait, Peter's, like it's we skipped over the whole part where the peeing was, and we called you out for it. Should we go back and? That's what I remembered, <laughs> and then I was like, "Why am I going to bring up the pee?" <laughs> <laughs> I said that it's, while she's getting killed, she pisses herself, and you were like, "That's unnecessary," and I was like, "I like when people piss in movies." <laughs> Yeah, which is not how I should have said it. <laughs> That's a direct quote. <laughs> but what I, yeah, see, I'm not censoring it here. You can't call me a liar. But um, people piss themselves, and when people piss themselves in horror movies, I find it interesting. <laughs> Um, so that's why we say you're into people. Especially if it's not like it's hard to do without it just coming off goofy. So it's like a testament to the scene you're in if someone pisses themselves and it's like, oh fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> no? I think it's just your fascination with characters peeing well and <laughs> peeing well. You said that they like when I'm they not pee. talking about stream strength or anything here. <laughs> <laughs> They said um, when a character pees, when they pee, like a good pee, like I, I, I can't. Not relate, a good Aaron. pee. I can't relate to you. When... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to relate, but I can't. 
Oh shit! It's just um, it's. Uh, I've just put my foot in my mouth. I think our designated driver it. had a comment on this conversation. I was just gonna say, very very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Opens a lot of doors. Oh, oh, my no, God. no, no, please. please! Close every door. Lock those doors. <laughs> That's what he said. No, just wait till we're off air. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have genuine like. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think there's like a subdivision of people that like piss porn, right? But their thing is like, oh yeah, scare the piss out of me. (laughs) Is that yours? Is that what you like (laughs) to? No, I just wonder if it exists. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> yeah, earlier when I was like, oh, I was like going to defend my, my piss comments. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, no, they forgot about the piss. I'm going to shut up. Don't oh, worry, shit. I remembered. See, I can't, I can't complain because I'm still talking about your colonial ghost. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still fascinated by the colonial ghost. The problem do you is... have anything? Do you have any? Okay, you listened to the Grudge podcast where we talked about the colonial ghost, right? Yeah. Do you think there was anything wrong with how you explained the colonial ghost? Do you, no. Like, is there anything you want to correct now? No, you're, you're happy with your colonial ghost stance? I feel like I sound crazy, but that's really it. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, sometimes you might realize you might not have explained you know, all you wanted. So this... I don't like to talk about her when I'm at my apartment, personally. He just wants to know if the colonial girl pisses. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just wondering if the colonial ghost will scare the piss out of me. That's all, that's all I want. That's his um, kink. Apparently. Holy shit. I'll never tell. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Speaking of sexual, um, I very much came in late on this movie while they were already watching, and one of the dance scenes, like they're in like full like bondage, basically, yes. right? Like that's their outfits, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're fully like that is basically the best way to describe it that they're like in red bondage, um, and only covering they're like wearing um beige underwear so it blends into their skin Mm -hmm. but their boobs are covered which i made sure of because i was curious if hers were going to be like out or something because they were making her the most sexualized but everything was pretty covered it was just very bondagey you had to give it like a half hour what (laughs) you had to give it a half hour and then then oh yes (laughs) yes this wasn't that scene it just it took it took a little bit longer it was towards the end (laughs) um yeah, so they're finally doing their big performance, and then well, um, kind of like what they've been... Before that, we see Sarah, and Sarah discovers some stuff. Yeah, and then she goes and talks to the, the doctor, but then she kind of decides to make her move, like, during the performance, right? Like, yeah. That's when she really goes and starts exploring. And she discovers a lot of people who were somehow alive but shouldn't be alive. Like, Patricia and... Um... Olga are still alive but they're just like half alive and they're very bruised and then you hear something calling her name but you don't really see what it is and she's running but she doesn't really get away from anything and then all of a sudden you watch her leg break and then 
and then you watch it get healed, but only like the skin over it. Like it doesn't heal the bone. So you can still see that the bone's broken, but you can see that the skin is like on top of the bone. Yeah, and then they force her to dance with it. Yes. It's it's fucked up. But they're kind they she finds like a basement. It's kinda reminds me of like a vampire movie where they keep people alive and feed on them instead of just killing them, you know? That's mm-hmm. kind of what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Not saying they're vampires, but they kind of just, like, kept them alive, but, like, drained them. I said in the beginning that I'd be really excited if they were witches, and I'm, like, a little dissatisfied with their witchery. Like, this was not witchy enough, personally. What, did you want, like, you know, green faces and pointed hats? At least a pointed hat. Like, maybe a broom. Like, they don't need to be green, but, like, can I see them have a spell? Like, Practical Magic is one of my favorite movies, and I think it does witching really well. And I just wish that they had a little bit more, like, stereotypical witchery. A little more abracadabra. Yeah, you know. Um, some kind of, like, brew or... Brew? Anything. Toad. Yeah. Oh. Any stereotypical <laughs> shit. Well, I would say this is a bit more, like, traditional witchery. Like, if you... Have you seen The Witch, right, Erin? Mm-hmm. Oh, I yes. thought you were asking me, and I was like, of course I haven't seen that movie. No. <laughs> um, I think it goes back to that kind of era of witchcraft, when it's kind of decided that it's a bit more, you know, dancing naked, um, man, almost quote-unquote man-hating or anti-men, which we see, like, some facets of that in this movie like when they're yeah. laughing at that naked man <laughs> which I thought was really funny the cops come in the cops come in and they could deal with the cops they could go in the back and kill them they can like you know hypnotize them and make them leave but no they're like yeah you know we'll just kind of make them like freeze and we'll just pull down their pants and laugh at their dicks <laughs> yeah. that's basically and what they do they have commentary a lot about that too like how Madame Blanc was very almost, I think they said she was like a revolutionist uh, when she was younger, how she didn't want to be just quote unquote like ovaries or just didn't want to produce children. She wanted to have a place that was different than that and she didn't want to like conform to that kind of gender role, I guess. Um, yeah. Also, when they're leading the psychiatrist, they say, you know, she went to you and you ignored her, you called her delusional. When a woman comes to tell you something why do you call her delusional you should believe her and i think it has facets of that um which traditionally i guess is kind of what stereotypically witches during that old colonial like salem time were kind of equivocal to um they're definitely very powerful and parasitic though which i think is a pretty cool um concept that they kind of went with how they kind of like they're parasites like the younger girls that they have there mm-hmm. like a vampire almost kind of like you mentioned which is yeah there's like cool. there's there's some kind of like draining people to sustain yourself aspect of it you know yeah and, and there is the point where um they're like it, you, like you were saying when they're like uh, oh well whenever a girl comes here and starts talking to you you tell them they're delusional um but it's it's a really interesting blow, not because it's like, you know, the typical slasher thing of, why don't you believe me? My friends are dying. It was very much like the guy who's being confided in has nothing but good intentions. Mm-hmm. Has, exactly. Uh, is dealing with things arguably the best way he could. Yeah. Um, and I don't think has any intentional, uh, like, bigotry uh, as a, as 
on his end. But when it's flipped like that, it makes you think. It's like, shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, there really is just a case of not believing. Because I think one of the first things he writes in the entire movie is she believes her delusions are real. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Even in the end scene. In the end scene when the woman, the girls, I should say, or I guess technically they're all naked. The women of the coven have this sort of like hair-like almost like dress over like it's not technically a dress but they have hair coming out of their body that's like very old school traditional depictions of witches like you've seen Blair Witch and when they talk about the Blair Witch for example they mention in the description of her that she has long hair almost like a mane so I think they're kind of going back to more archaic traditional um, witchery as opposed to modernized versions of witches I think that was kind of the angle they were going for. It preys upon, you know, like dancing being evil as well, which I thought was really interesting. Like, <laughs> loose like, connection. <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah, no, like, you know, Kevin Bacon was a, was a witch. Let's like, we know this right now. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Bacon was a fucking witch, but uh, I, I do, we were kind of talking about it in Dust Till Dawn last time where like, it's interesting when you put historical context into like your horror movie you know Mm -hmm. like having the vampires come from a mind temple or like giving it some kind of historical uh, element to it you know and this was kind of like like why would people ever think people legitimately thought dancing was evil (laughs) at some points like any kind of expression like that was awful but it's really interesting to think no it it is (laughs) you know yeah yeah there was a lot of political background in this movie as well like it takes place in berlin um mostly as homage to the original but it takes place in divided berlin so it's set during like cold war um setting which i thought was interesting i think it should have just stayed as a background setting i there was just a lot of unnecessary information about it like they showed the wall which was very close to it was like right across the street from the mm-hmm. dance company like the wall that separates um, Germany like from Soviet, yeah, all that stuff. Um, they talk about like the hijacking of like it, it, like little events that happened in 1977 were kind of sprinkled in. I mean, I I understand like he wanted to build a setting. I just think some of it was just kind of unnecessary. In in a movie that has so many plot points all already, that yeah. one got quite a bit of time for not super being relevant. Yeah, it just it was kind of like distracting, I would say, like even even they brought up, you know, the Holocaust as one of the pinnacles of conversation and backstory for one of the characters. I mean, I'm not quite sure why it was included. I don't think it was a necessary plot point either. Just in terms of like setting, I don't really think it's that necessary. No, I I don't think it necessarily hurt it either. Maybe just in the runtime department. Yeah, like, I would definitely cut it out. I just didn't think it was a plot <laughs> that needed to be included. I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll just kind of, like, go in at least to the doctor's, like, ending to some degree. But I guess the whole thing is he's looking for his wife, or he's lost his wife, who was trying to cross the wall, basically. Mm-hmm. From what I understood, right? She was trying to get past border control and grow pa- go past the, the wall, and it's... um a big thing for him to know what happened to his wife at the end of the movie. And it's a satisfying little payoff, but it doesn't need to be in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't, doesn't I think bear it too much shows, weight. It shows the power that Susie has 
but I think other than that, it's not super like powerful, you know. It, it's kind of her flower dress as the temple burns moment, you know, kind of her yeah. being like, "No, I'm I'm a, I'm a bad bitch now." <laughs> you don't even know. Should we explain what happens with Susie? Yeah, I, I think Kim would probably do it the most justice to explain basically how the the end gets going post main performance. Yeah. Which also we should totally talk about for just a moment how that main performance scene is goddamn incredible. It mm-hmm. starts with like no music and it's kind of awkward in the way they dance, but then as they keep getting more and more intense, the music comes in more and more and more. And it ends with uh Sarah breaking her leg, but that whole process of the dance scene is just so well done and super awesome. And Sarah comes in halfway through and just like joins in and it's super incredible the way she joins in too. I, think. I almost got vibes that she was almost like competing to some degree too. Yeah. You know what I mean? That she was fighting it or like joining in, but also being intrusive at the same time. Like she didn't mm-hmm. fit anymore. Yeah, I agree. But this town wasn't big enough for the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> so Kim, what happens after that scene? Mm-hmm. So what this whole movie was kind of the mystery, the mystery of it is that there's a coven leader called Helena Marcos, which we don't really see until up to this point, um, who is the secret behind-the-scenes coven leader. We all kind of thought it was Madame Blanc for the most part, but turns out that it wasn't. There's kind of a little political struggle there, too. And It, start, it opens with kind of like a voting process. Yes. Of they're, they're voting again to see if yeah. Blanc or Marco will be will continue to lead. And they all, not they don't all vote, but Marco does win by like three votes in the beginning. I just know it's crucial for later <laughs> yeah um so yeah that they're voting <laughs> um and afterwards the whole concept is that they're going to be using Susie as a sort of vessel to give marcos power and a new body so through her in a way she would be reborn and able to lead the coven um for the next who knows how many years it's not specified but essentially she's just a source and it's just a vessel that they're going to use and up to this point, Blanc and Susie, in a way, had a sort of understanding in terms of you have to agree and you have to give yourself. It's not something that should be forced. And Marcos voted in, is very adamant about getting her body. Turns out, plot twist, um, Blanc feels that there's something off. There's something wrong with how the ritual's going. Girls are dancing, but she knows that there's something wrong. And when she goes to stop the ritual from progressing, um, Marcos ends up using her little voodoo power. And I guess she cuts into her neck. I don't think she beheads her. But she, she like, in a way, cuts into her neck with her magic. You should mention real quick how gross Marco is. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> she looks like a bloated corpse. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. she looks like. She, she looks like, like someone that's been dead for six weeks. Yeah, she's in a whole wheelchair and she has like sunglasses on, and that's I don't know why that's not going to help her, but and she's leaking. She's yeah, a oh, lot of, she's there's leaking. a lot of leaking. Titties hanging. She's just like a mess, <laughs> a whole ass mess. She looks like a slug. The other day it was such a mess. My titties were hanging, and <laughs> yeah, titties hanging, hand ripe for the holding. <laughs> Yeah, can we talk about when the girls that were dancing naked? I'm sorry. 
That must have been so uncomfortable for them, like, dancing like that with their titties out. Like, oh, yeah. that looks so painful. That must have sucked. That must have absolutely sucked. And it was just, I was just horrified. I couldn't, I was like, that must have really, really caused some damage. I can't even run. And these girls are <laughs> dancing and jumping around. I don't know how they do it. They don't stop either. It's a, lo- it's a long time. They yeah. do. It is for a long time. Yeah, I could not. Um, so you, you left off with Tilda yeah. Swinton getting her neck cut from the, yeah. the back. Blanc ends up dying from that blow. and Which made me go- kind of sad. I don't know why, but it made me kind of sad. I thought the effect was a little janky, frankly, but I might have just been looking into it too much. That's fair. I feel like maybe it was. Yeah. I, I mean, I, she should have been fully de- beheaded, I want to say. Just cut the whole head clean off. Why stop at just the neck? Like, I think that would have been a little bit more dramatic, you know? I think it would have had a little bit what the character deserved. I feel like she didn't deserve to only have half of a head cut off. Nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? <laughs> oh! Did I win? Was that the you first win. natural Harry first Potter one. joke of the night? Yeah, good job. <laughs> we need a sound effect for when the official Harry Potter podcast part is activated. <laughs> When the first reference is maybe just a little sound effect. Um, as Marcos goes to go in front of um Susie to complete the ritual, um, in order to do so, Susie has to denounce her mother, denounce every mother, quote unquote. Um, and you kind of see Susie go through this weird like trance, and it flashes back to her mom, back in Ohio, who is sick and essentially on her deathbed. Um, and it, this is like where it gets really cool where color comes into it because the original had lots of pops of color and here the color was saved for this climax moment. There's like a reddish tint that kind of takes over the room and over her like a shadow and this kind of black hand pops out and alludes to the fact that her mother's life is taken. She's dead. Um, and all of a sudden we go back over to where the ritual is happening and it's suddenly they're screaming there's this like black, disgusting, charred, bloated looking thing coming up from like, I think it's like a basement or from some secret trap door. I don't really know where she comes from. From hell, basically. Yeah, well, that's right. What it seems like it's from hell. And it's like, it's wearing like a long gown, but it looks like it was just like burnt chicken nugget. Like it's really <laughs> <laughs> Like it's just gross. Uh, I thought she looked awesome <laughs> i thought she she, she was awesome because you're looking at you know uh marco is like so not cool looking like she's disgusting she's horrifying but she's certainly not like badass and then yeah. all of a sudden that what was that was the name mother suspiria or suspirior um technically that's an extension of mother susporium but yes Suspore- so okay. it's, it's technically it's yeah i'll, I'll get to that yeah but she comes out and she just looks badass. And as she's rising, there's the scene where uh, she's like, "What are you?" And she looks at uh, Susie as Susie summons like this horrible demon. It just realizes like, "Oh, I never had a chance of trying to take over. You know, like yeah. take over you. You're you're something else. You're worse than we ever thought. If you could summon that, and that it's so awesome. That's probably my favorite part is when she, she rises. Yeah." I think that's an incredible scene. Yeah, so the whole thing was Marcos was kind of claiming at some point that, you know, she was directly tied to Mother Susporium 
Um, but it turns out, plot twist, that Susie, at this point, after condemning her mother, after accepting who she is and finding who she truly is, is actually Mother Suspirium um, incarnate. And the black ugly thing is kind of an extension of her. Um, so Mother Susporium, which I guess they kind of talk about briefly in the movie itself, is essentially death or mother of death. Um, but it translates to mother of size, which is, I'll get into that because I find that really interesting and kind of nerdy, but I'll talk about that after. S-I-G-H? Yes, S-I-G-H, size, like sighing. Um, and turns out that Susie the whole time was one of the three deities that the coven worshipped, Mother Susporium, Mother of Death. And she finally reveals that, and the black thing, I don't even know what to call it, the ugly thing, goes around to all the women that voted for Marcos and essentially explodes them like their head explodes Mm -hmm. which is one of the and again we get that kind of red tint that kind of takes over um the entire shot and kind of this oversaturation when you see the blood kind of popping out from their heads it's a beautiful beautiful work of artistry you see the woman voting a flash of the woman voting and then back to when they're getting exploded (laughs) they're getting popped and every single one yeah, it's so, it's so cool. It's like one of those, like, reality TV show confessionals, like Love Island. Like, when, yeah. <laughs> when they go to the side and they're talking to, like, the camera and then it's like, you know, they get popped. And I, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> and I thought what, that was One of really them gives cool. their vote and then Jim Halpert looks at the camera and shrugs. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, Susie is, like, opening her chest like she's pulling the skin back across her chest and inside you just see blackness and you hear screams and it's almost like a wonderful cathartic feeling for her like she's almost like it's it's very sensual and sexual but yeah it's really interesting she's almost reveling in all the screams and the death um why does she pull her chest open does anyone have any idea to show that she's not human, I'm assuming. Okay. I just felt like it was like connecting with the uh, the the death demon that she summoned. Mm-hmm. Okay. Basically, it's literally like a death orgy. Like that's the best way to, exp- to explain it, right? <laughs> is like that, it's is that the it best reminds way? me. You know, literally, it's all this them writhing naked in blood as people get their heads exploded, pretty much, and yeah, other ones dance naked. Like it's 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 a lot. It reminded me a lot of like um the final portions of like uh texas chainsaw or um crap what was the other one i was thinking of just kind of like oh or like a rob zombie movie Mm -hmm. like um house of a thousand corpses or something like that where it's it's pretty normal throughout like most of it but then there's this final scene that's just so visceral so gross and so over the top you know yeah it it almost makes you look around and be like holy shit what are we watching (laughs) yeah and I should mention uh, that Marcos did die. The walking... It yeah. looks... Honestly, it looks like a walking poop. Like, I can't describe it any differently. It's she a poop deflates. in a dress. <laughs> she, 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 like, deflates. She like, she, well, she, like, falls onto her wheelchair and deflates. She looks like those uh, those anti-weed commercials. Where, <laughs> oh my like, God, they're deflated yes. on the couch. Yes. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like a deflated balloon. She just yeah. grows. <laughs> That's what she looked like at the end. 100%. Yeah, and it's just, it's crazy. And it goes on for quite a while, too, of just absolute yeah. gory carnage. 
they're just every single person just getting pop pop popped like a water balloon <laughs> um and it's kind of great but also it's like man all right you saved you saved the goriest for last i see great great ending in my opinion and then Susie goes towards the three girls that are basically zombified. I'm not really quite sure how else to describe their state. Yeah. Um, it's Olga, who got Wetzel Pretzel. Um, <laughs> Patricia, who I don't remember what happened to her, but Patricia's there looking like a zombie. We and never see what happens to Patricia. Yeah, she just got, I don't know, she, she looks weird. She got, she got got. Yeah, yeah. And Sarah, who you saw, she got her leg broken, she got hypnotized and all that stuff. Those she three girls guts are... guts pulled out of her stomach. Ugh. Oh, yeah, they were, like, pulling their organs out. The whole, like, ritual they were doing before was just dancing, but, like, pulling out organs. It was really great. Yeah, I but really the victim liked stays it. standing. Can I, tell yeah. you guys, can I tell you guys what my fanfiction ending with Sarah was? What? My fanfiction ending. Go for it. Okay, so um, in this next scene, so I'll just describe it. So um, Susie goes up to each of them and they and asks, what do they want? And then they're like, to die. And then the next one's like, to die. And then she gets to Sarah and I was like, she's going to be like, to be with you. And then she's going to heal her. And then it's going to be like, they're in love. And that's my fan fiction ending. AJ is in the you can you can teach the, me how to love horror, but you can't teach me how to not love a love story. <laughs> wow! Put that on a put that on a, uh, with like a, a background of like a library on the Tumblr post of black and white. Please, it's Tumblr twenty twelve. I've never left it. <laughs> Welcome to my twisted mind. <laughs> uh, y'all heard a super hulak? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> we don't need to go there. Anyway. Uh, oh yeah, but she she goes to each of them and asks them what they want and agrees to like kill them. And that's when I really was interested in her character because it was like she literally was death. She was like the Grim mm-hmm. Reaper, you know. Um, and they the best didn't show her. They never showed her pop ahead or anything. You know, there she had other things for that, but she was almost like graceful and dignified in the way that she she brought death. You know. Yeah. Almost more like an inevitability than a murder, you know? Yeah, like and a mother. Then, I mean, her title is yeah. a mother, so she is a bit more maternal to the ones that I guess were innocent, or not even innocent victims, but I would say not loyal to Marcos, which those mm. girls technically, by defying the coven, defied the usurper who was Marcos. So I guess that's why she's kind of nice to them. Yeah, like they didn't have a hand. They, they didn't, they were just serving. Oh, which I guess could also kind of go into some of the Nazi shit to some degree too, and, 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 and you know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, they do they do want to keep bringing up the Berlin stuff. Um, I guess that kind of transfers in that after the the huge murder scene, she goes and visits the doctor, who is like mourning his wife by reading her like Aryan race papers. Yeah, and it was like a very supposedly sweet moment of like him sitting and remembering his wife she says so to get the doctor to go to the dance studio at the end he's also there during all of that naked he's there during the the, the thing he's naked i don't really know why he's there but he's there he was supposed to be a witness they decided that they needed a witness to be a part of it um, to get him there they pretend to be his wife 
and show him like have this whole story where the, him and his wife are brought back together and she's telling him this whole story and one of the things she says is that she went back to the apartment and looked for her papers but she could not find them and so I think that's why he's looking through the papers because he's regretting that the papers were not able to find his wife and that's why she was taken see I missed that I missed that I was I, I remember both of those scenes I was just too drunk to connect them you know what yeah. I mean I see and then um uh, Susie comes in who's now death basically yes and uh mother death. kind of apologizes to him I guess about like some of the circumstances and then doesn't kill him I thought for sure she was gonna lean over and like kiss him and kill him but she's more merciful and wipes his memory and seemingly just like makes him forget like everything yeah. right is that what yeah. you say like like full wipe like new brain you know yeah and that's kind of the scene where I like where that character goes and kind of saves his plot point for me but it's also still unnecessary it just at least went somewhere you know yeah that's fair I'm still a little confused by this whole movie I think that's fair. So, Kim, what the fuck happened in this movie? What do you mean? <laughs> you I feel like what do you, mean? you have, like, theories and, like, this deep understanding of it, and I just don't feel like I fully get it. What? <laughs> like, what, what are you confused about? Okay, so let's go back to this whole mother death thing, right? Okay. So... They talk about at some point that there's, like, these three mothers, and that's who they, like, pray to and all this shit. So, mm -hmm. she's just one of them. Yes. Um, I, I've kind of run out of space here. I don't know. Like, I feel like it's kind of like a why or... I guess it's, like, how do you interpret it, Kim? How yes. do you in interpret the ending? What do you get from it? Well, I mean, her character, I think... I that's I guess what you're asking whether she's boring I guess more about her um so this is also based on like a book so a lot of the things that I found about her is a bit also tied to the book um but also was mentioned a bit in the movie so she's the mother of size which the sigh is in reference to like a feeling of helplessness so the sigh that you get when you're in a helpless situation or a sigh at the end of a horrible situation. So either a sigh of fear or a sigh of relief. So she is death, but she also really likes that particular thing. That's the feeling that kind of fuels her. So I think when we see Susie say, um, when she's kind of discovering who she is, she has this line where she says, why is everyone ready to believe that the worst is over? And I think yeah. with along with her ability to wipe memories and obviously murder a whole group of people um i think it's kind of giving into the fact that she only rises when there is a situation that is so horrible it's either the beginning of a situation that's so horrible or right after a horrible situation occurs so if you look at the history of what's going on in the time period her coming about could be because of the war um, and the Cold War and all the stuff that's happening, all these horrible little pieces of um, political, um, I don't even know what to call it, like situations that are going on. 
it could be after the Holocaust. Maybe that was a big, horrible situation that it's referring to. I'm not quite sure because it brings up a lot of little facets of stuff like that. Um, or it could be right after, you know, she kind of shows a more different side of herself after she murders an entire coven, which was using women and using young girls in an almost, in almost in her name, but without her actually being there. So, I mean, it kind of depends on how you want to interpret it. I think this movie has a lot of facets to it that aren't fully developed enough to really make a full theory or make one concrete theory as to what, like, quote-unquote, the purpose of this movie is. I personally don't really, I guess, I don't really care much about the purpose of the movie. I really just like it because I think the scenes are so cool and fascinating that I watch it for that. I don't really have much of an answer as far as what does it mean. I just kind of, I just kind of vibe with it. (laughs) And I just kind of liked the parts that I like about it. And the ones I don't understand, I don't really look too much into that which but is very much like the first one which is way more for the eyes than for the brain for which right? one the, the original the original i think uh, Susie's character is i think if you look at it different so Susie in the original was not mother suspirium that was actually marcos in the original oh. Susie acted as simply a final girl so she's the only survivor of marcus's um Basically, she kills everyone. It's kind of the similar ending, but Susie survives as a final girl. She's basically haunted and hunted by this coven of witches. Um, But she herself is not a witch. She herself is not death. And in this one, they decided to change that and place her as, in a way, the main antagonist, the, the main mother of death, which I think was a creative choice to kind of differentiate from the original. Um, so yeah, that's one wow. of the biggest differences besides the setting um, and the social commentary. I think what I had meant too was you were saying that like you enjoy uh, this movie a, not so much for the lore and deep plot, but for um, how the scenes progress and are, look visually and sound and how it's, it's carried a lot more by its setup and visuals than it is its deep plot. And I was yeah. saying like that's also very much in vain of the first movie, which also cares way more about stylized visuals and um, aesthetic than it does plot as well. Yeah. I think I just, I really like the scenes that are very, the, like the scene of Olga getting twisted is one of my favorite scenes yeah. in horror. I thought it was so well done. So shocking. I think those little bits of shock of the gore, it's kind of what keeps me wanting to watch this movie. Not necessarily digging up the meaning behind everything but more so just those little pieces of yeah just pieces of gore that I find really cool it's like when you watch hills have eyes and it's just like the grossness of it just kind of keeps you entertained but you don't really look into like the thematic (laughs) underlying themes of hills have eyes you're just kind of there for the fun this movie I think has a lot of potential to have a deeper understanding in the way that like midsummer might have I just think they did too much and nothing really is fully explained that it doesn't really hit that mark, in my opinion. Midsummer is just as long, but feels like it has less fat. Yeah. yeah. But I think that Midsummer's fat is just very different. Yeah. Because I feel like this one has a lot going on, but it's the same simplish story versus like Midsummer has a lot, like, has nothing, feels like nothing's going on, but it's still building to something. 
like I feel like this movie is very similar. I think we mentioned it not in this podcast, but when we were just watching it, um, to how Black Swan kind of has the same sort of <laughs> psychological undertone of creepy stuff but mystery. And I think this one tries to do the same thing. It's just way too long, and there's too much sitting time that it doesn't really have to have all these pauses or all these little like for example the flashes that we get of like it's almost like the ring tape is kind of what it reminds me of like this really weird imagery that like Mm. doesn't really always make sense they're just flashes of disturbing things as cool as that is either include that to make it shorter or take i'm sorry include it to make it more interesting or to apply to the plot or remove it so it's like less time but that's one of my favorite things to see. It just doesn't do much for the plot in general. Yeah. That's yeah, because that, that was one of my favorite scenes too, but I I, I can't defend its place in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I enjoyed the hell out of that, but I can't, it it, it should have been cut, you know, I feel. Yeah, it's, I just, this, it's just too long. I think this movie does disturbing really well. Um, mm-hmm. That's one of its, factors that I think we're very like like I think I'll be left with that stain of Olga for a while the stain of Olga <laughs> the Wetzel pretzel stain the Wetzel, the grease spot from the, Wetzel <laughs> at the bottom of the bag that's all she was <laughs> just Aww. a greasy plop alright Kim who did you <laughs> thirst after in this movie yeah the, the Kim thirst section here we go I mean Dakota Johnson obviously is very attractive I, I just love her in real That's life, so I have to love her. That's because you're into Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, actually, I'm not. When did I ever say that that was a fact? I don't know. Dakota Johnson. You were talking She's all about how it should have been an official sequel to Twilight and all that last time. I don't know why you're I went. pretending. <laughs> I do not like Fifty Shades of Grey, but I did I did watch the first one. Um, I don't know. You just said you were a fan of Dakota Johnson. I feel like that means that you're a fan of Fifty Shades of Grey. No. But um, I do like her. I think I like her as an actress and I like her. uh, She seems like a really cool person. So I I always, I don't know. I I really like her. She's pretty. She's attractive. She's very, gives me very big bisexual vibes. I don't know if that's true, but her and Audrey Plaza are very close and I'm here for it and I ship it. Audrey Plaza. Damn. Would you join this, this coven? Um, not if it means that I get killed. No, because they make them do weird shit. And if I don't say, yeah, they're going to twist me up like a pretzel. I don't like pretzels. <laughs> and I'm not flexible, even though I do yoga. So it's going to be a no Ooh, for me. She does yoga. <laughs> not well. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, this is going to be a hard pass. She doesn't want her titties to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> See, Molly knows what's up. Thank you, Molly. <laughs> No, dude, like, when I was watching that, and, like, you see him kind of, like, whip, and I'm like, oh, right? like, that's gonna be sore, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I think, feel like Molly's been the most on top of her shit today than she has ever been before. Well, she, she also <laughs> hasn't drank a whole load. <laughs> I drank a bottle sure. of wine. God. And the designated driver. <laughs> beep, beep. Maybe. That was Ehawk in the horn, yeah. <laughs> What 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 does she drive? A hearse. Yeah, no, I answered oh. my own question. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I wanted one when I was in high school. My mom said no. You would. Yeah, I'm glad your mom said no. Molly forbid me from buying a hearse, right? Yeah, it kind of it, it creeps me out. I've I, I have a 
weird fear of death kind of situation. You know what? I support that. I also think that no one should own a hearse. Yeah, they're also horrible gas mileage. Yeah. Like, come on, Aaron. Think about the environment. No. It's cool with us. Let's look at we should we should wrap up. We should go around for uh for final thoughts. I liked it. I thought it was um I agree with the whole like I understood sixty percent of it, but I liked a hundred percent of it. Um, I feel like it was really fun and very interesting, but like very confusing. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Uh I think I it's hard to say it's not at least a little pretentious, I feel. Um, but I feel like it's it's pulled off like I say that with love because I really did enjoy my whole time with this movie. It's certainly a little long um, and maybe a little overly complicated, but I don't regret watching it at all. And I think it's it's a hell of a trip. And uh, I, would, I would definitely watch it again with the context I have now and uh, try to pull more out of it. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy. I enjoy it for the parts that I enjoy. Um, if I'm probably going to watch this again, I definitely will fast forward to the parts that I don't care about just to see the cool parts, which is like <laughs> Olga, the middle and then the ending. But I think the plot tries a little too hard sometimes. And I think if they cut some of that or focused a bit of it, it might have been a better movie. Um, it is pretty slow and the length is just impossible. But I think what it does have going for it are those little macabre scenes of gore which i would say is a plus and it's what made me really like it as far as it being a remake i say that it does a pretty good job probably not up to par as far as legendariness that the first one has but it does a good job of separation which i think remakes either hit or miss when it comes to um effectiveness and how much they stay on the original plot so i think as far as a remake it's pretty good it's definitely a movie you're either going to like or hate because I guess I it's pretentious, um, whatever whatever that means at this point. But um, it's definitely either going to be something you can watch and it'll be up to taste or it'll be too boring. And I, I also don't blame people that say it's too long and too boring because it definitely, I can see that definitely being an issue. But yeah, you're either going to like it or hate it, but there are elements to it that I think I really like. And the acting, amazing. The shots, amazing. Cinematography, amazing. Um, dialogue, eh. Plot, eh. So, you know, if you're going to watch this, prepare, get a snack, get some beer, because it's going to be a while. <laughs> but you might like it, so <laughs> don't knock a it till you try it. Drink a whole bottle of wine. <laughs> Drink a whole bottle of wine, sit next to a colonial ghost, you can watch the ghost go <laughs> to your window. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> Aesthetics. Okay, I'm sitting with my bedroom door open because no one's home, and I keep getting really freaked out thinking that somebody from this movie is going to walk through my door. So just so you know, it's not just the grudge. I'm just freaked out about everything. Just imagine it's one of the girls in bondage. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week when we watch Chris Rock and Bill Murray star in Osmosis Jones. Um, (laughs) Until then, I've been Aaron. I've been AJ. I've been Kim. Love you. Bye.